You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me, as always, is Mike the Cranky Fan. The hits just keep on coming, don't they, Mike? You know, the hits didn't come just on the field. They happened to us as well, as we are the victims of Flaggate. The newest NFL scandal. Anybody who knows this hits around us in Section 124, we, for years have carried yellow penalty flags with us. And every time an opponent commits a uh, penalty, we wave our flags much to the excitement, nonstop excitement of the fans around us. Well, some prick at the security gate decided that that was not an acceptable paraphernalia to bring into a stadium and promptly took him from us. So in this day and age, we're worrying about you know, the security shooters. and the safety well, yeah, I mean, people's lives in, in Las danger. Vegas, you know what I mean? Right. That, you know, God forbid somebody tries to bring in a penalty flag. So incredibly lame. I can see why they call it the NFL, the no fun league, as our neighbor Ron told us, it's the no flag league apparently too. Yeah. So pretty lame. So we were in a pretty pissed off mood to start. And that might've been the highlight of our trip to the Meadowlands. Yeah. I mean, I sort of get it, but I mean, he also if we were if we were sitting like right at the end zone, right up against the wall, there's a real shot that we can get the flag onto the field in certain situations. But he actually looked up the ticket information and saw that we were several rows back to the point where if I could get it on the field and in, into the playing area of the field, not just like onto the grass, but like beyond and into at least the end zone. The You'd Jersey, be starting ahead of Eli. Yeah, yeah, right really. I, forget Davis Webb. Forget Geno Smith. Put me in there. Grump. Number zero. Oof. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Well, the, other fact, the other fact was the guy was a dick. I mean, yeah, you know, there's ways to go about things or something. It's like we're not a couple of 20-year-old punks, you know. We're older punks. But the point being, you know, I, I, I don't think that's exactly the – tone you want to have with your fan base that spends a lot of money to watch a lot of garbage lately so yeah, that guy was a fucking jerk off i he, he th- it's one thing to be like hey look i'm sorry i'm just doing my job i really can't let you in there should anything happen it's my ass on the line blah 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 yeah. you know I, that's an answer that you know i would have taken you know not not very well but i you know, let it go whatever Unders- understandable yeah but yeah. to be to be an antagonist yeah no that so. guy was being a dick you know what did he say? He said something like he asked what section, and then he said he sat in that section and never saw or some some stupid yeah, shit. What the hell was? Yeah, that? he was kind of like, well, I'm always in that section. It's like I never seen your ugly ass before, so that's yeah. why you're that's why you're out taking tickets right now. Yeah, yeah, really. I I did not understand that at all. He's just being a yeah, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's my fault. Anyway. I picked the bad line. I picked the bad security line. I knew it once we got up there. I was like, oh shit. Well, it's actually Grum's fault because he didn't. Uh, he didn't print his tickets on time, so we had to wait for his ass. Yeah, that 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 one is entirely my fault. I thought I was being smart, and I was like, I don't want to print them early and then uh, lose them. 
So what uh, did we lose? We yeah. lost our trip to the Jameson room. <laughs> yeah, that, we lost our pregame drinks. That was all my fault. Um, it was all it was all set up for a turd of a football game, and guess what? We saw a turd of a football game. Yeah, actually, it it it's all connected. It's a yeah. Illuminati pattern here to uh, our flags and me and the Giants <laughs> losing. Um, it you know, in any event, you'll see me post a picture of a flag on Twitter every time an opponent commits a penalty, or especially a big penalty, for any away game that I... I'm no, I'm no longer going to any more away games. I'm out of cash, so... Um, but yeah, Twitter, at football underscore grump. You can find me post pictures of flags every time. Um, and again, podcast, as always, at Just Giants Pod. And yes, I am hacking away with a cough because I am still sick, so... <laughs> You'll be peppering this podcast with me coughing the whole time, so I apologize <laughs> for that. But if you want to... Uh, you want to tweet at me and uh, rip on me for my <laughs> my health? You can tweet me at the cranky fan. Um. So the Giants fell to the Seahawks twenty four to seven. Pretty much what I would have expected if you'd asked me at the beginning of the year how they would play without Odell Beckham, without Sterling Shepard, without Brandon Marshall, without Olivier Vernon. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Um, without <laughs> yeah yeah so so i mean the the big injuries for this weekend guys who didn't play were vernon shepherd and oguara the injuries that happened in game bj goodson went down in the first half justin Pugh went down i believe in the second half and Kerry win went down pretty early too so it's already thin at defensive line uh defensive end rather uh really came down to just avery moss and jason pierre paul um and they actually did not do poorly i mean it's hard to really pick like a weak spot. Like, did anybody in your estimation play badly, or is it just a matter of the talent that we had on the field due to injuries? I, I, you know, you can say whatever about the defense. Is the the problem with this team? And I don't even, you know, obviously with so many weapons out and no wide receivers, this coaching staff is not going to put this team in a position to get blown out with five turnovers. So what they're going to do is they're just going to try to be very safe. Be very conservative. Try to run when they can. And the defense knows that. And what what happens? 15 plays in the first half. Not offense. You know, no, no first downs. And there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, this has got nothing to do with Jerry Reese. This has got nothing to do with, with uh, McAdoo. This is the fact that we just do not have any players at any, you know, of the major school. But we're also, you know, say what you want about Paul Perkins. He is our starter, and he's been out, too. Mm-hmm. So... <laughs> Never mind the fact that we have no wide receivers. You're kind of playing with a bunch of backups. And again, coaches are they are so risk adverse. They are not going to put the team in a position to all of a sudden be down 21 nothing early in a game. So they'd rather die with multiple paper cuts than uh, the big bomb. And that's kind of what happened. And, you know, to the defense's credit, they did the best they could. You know, this defense is playing a heck of a lot better than at the beginning of the year. But you have to generate any sort of offense for no other reason, keep your defense off the field. Yeah. And, and like you said, I I agree with you. I don't know that anybody really stood out as being, as playing poorly. I mean, you could probably make an argument for Bobby Hart. Uh, The offensive line played pretty well until Justin Pugh went down and it was pretty much just, you know, Bobby Hart, maybe a little bit of DJ Fluker looked a little bit confused on a couple of pass, pass rush stunts and stuff. But you know, for the most part, it was all right. I think the biggest problem for the offense, the the difference between Denver and here, isn't any sort of 
trap game or anything like that. I think it's pretty simple. They weren't able to run the ball. Uh, yeah. They they just couldn't figure out a way to 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 make it happen. And you know, Orleans Darkwa with thirty five yards on nine carries. Wayne Gallman, I felt like should have gotten a little bit longer of a look. I understand he's a rookie, but he hasn't made as far as I've seen any gaffes in terms of pass protection. So I don't see any reason in not putting him out there. But he only had five rushes, uh, but still had fifteen yards. It's actually not that terrible. Um, it's like what? That's three yards a carry. It's That's, average. It's average. It three, three point zero. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, he only have fifteen plays and a half. Yeah. It's hard to say. Well, this guy should have run the ball more. This guy should have more carries. We should have tried to throw more. There's just no plays. Yeah. Um, but to, to the defense's credit, like you said, they they in as many offensive plays as the Seahawks had, they really didn't allow them to just run all over the field. I mean, this this score ended twenty four seven, but for the longest time until the third quarter was what seven three Giants until. Until the third quarter, it became 10-7 Seahawks. I mean, it was just a matter of getting gassed down the line. Yeah. I mean, Seattle didn't do – Seattle had some very questionable play calling. We thought the whole game. Yeah. Um, th- th- that drive where they had the five or six plays in the five-yard line. And, yeah, know. that's right. The early oh, on in, yeah, early on in the game, the Seahawks had a uh, – a drive that stalled around the one-yard line, and they had 10 plays, I think, inside like the 10-yard line because of penalties and all sorts of bullshit. They just kept getting, you know, gimme first downs, I guess, and they were not able to punch it in. They actually didn't go for the field goal and turn over on downs. The Giants took it. So, Well, your best weapon to me is Russell Wilson with his legs, and they didn't utilize him at all. No, they don't, I don't understand that at all. I don't not really sure what they were even trying to attack. It seemed like they were going into the teeth of defense, but the facts are the facts. The defense held there, and the defense did really well for a majority of the game. You know, it, it took until yeah. yeah, it took until the end of the game for Doug Baldwin to really go down there. I mean, there there's the other there was a trick play, which I mean, a trick play is a trick play comes down to discipline only and not really talent or anything that resulted in a bomb touchdown that uh, you know. I I'm not sure it's not a touchdown. It looked like a touchdown to me. There's some Well, it yeah, it was this week's episode of what you see is not necessarily the rule. You yeah. know, it seems like every single week there's some sort of rule with a what is a catch, what is not a catch, what is a fumble, not a fumble, what is possession, not a fumble or not possession and uh you know, when you thought you've seen everything, you get a different explanation to it. So yeah, so, other... so the the playing question and it always goes against my way, too. Yeah. <laughs> The, the play in question, uh, it was a, I believe, a pitch out to Eddie Lacy, who threw it back to Russell Wilson, who then threw a bomb to Richardson or whoever. Uh, and Landon Collins was in coverage, and they sort of came down with dual possession, but they're like rolling around on the ground. There's no good camera angle for anything. You know, and, and the officials on the field called it a touchdown. I don't know what else he's supposed to call. You know what I mean? He's not, he can't really call an interception on the field. And then once you make that call, whether it's interception or touchdown, the camera angles, there's no clear view. So it's going to stay whatever's called on the field. So I can't in good conscience, blame the officials for any of that. Um, nevertheless, I know a lot of giants fans were really pissed off with the call, thought that it looked more like an interception than a touchdown. Um, and I know that Ben McAdoo turned the play into the league for a review, 
which I think is still the right thing, not necessarily to feel vindicated or anything like that, but, you know, just, you know, set a precedent for the league, you know, review things like that. I, th- I think that's a good thing that the league does. We're trying to get, <clears throat> we're trying to, get to a point where the officiating and <laughs> reviews are as close to perfect as you can. And even something like this where you are testing the protocol of making changes and how reviews are reviewed. So, yeah, it's not – would it change the outcome of the game? No. You know, vindication, whatever. I think it's the right thing because from now until the end of time, they're going to be tweaking what replay is, how they can review it, you know, what a call is, what a rule is. So we're trying to get there. It's just going to be a constantly evolving thing, and things like this help speed the process along with some real glacier path. Yeah, I mean, besides that, I mean, the officials on the field have to make a decision right there. How restless do the fans get when it takes 10 seconds for them to group up and everybody starts booing? You know, when you set this precedent where, you know, you know, Dean Blandino looks at it with, you know, other guys and then they can sort out these really close and sort of weird nuances that you don't think about when you write the rules and they set a precedent for it. So the next time it happens, there's a very clear, there's a precedent. You know what I mean? You look back to the... Des Bryant, did he catch it? Which goes back to the Calvin Johnson, did he catch it? You know what I mean? Like these are Bert, Bert Emanuel, guys yeah. like him. Yeah, there, there's a reason that they do this, and I, I think it's a really good thing. There's not much I can say about the game. You know what I mean? The defense played as well as they could. They didn't play poorly. The offense played as well as they could. It came down to whether or not um, they could run the ball, and they were not able to. Um, Evan Ingram continues to look really, really well on a very bad team, which is incredible because he's really the only guy you've got to cover as a defense, and he's continuing to look really good. I mean, six catches for 60 yards, a touchdown along a 25. He had another one where he stepped out of bounds. I'm not sure how egregious he was out of bounds, but there was a long one down the sideline that he caught that had to be come back. You know, the point I'm making is he's the one guy you've got to cover, and he's continuing to create mismatch problems, which doesn't make any sense. And it made me think back to Odell Beckham's rookie year, where I remember Cranky Fan and I were at the Colts game at home, and the game was just a sunk cost. It was it was garbage. Nobody wanted to watch it. The Giants are playing like shit. But every time, this dude's getting open. He's making catches, and then he's making moves in the open field. And I remember Cranky Fan, at this point, the score is overwhelming. We know the game's over. And he just pulls me close. He's like, this kid's going to be a star. And that's kind of what I'm getting the feeling with Evan Ingram. I mean, he's still the only guy you got to cover, and he's still making plays. I mean, he's literally the only guy that that you can cover right now. Because they're, they're simply not going to throw the ball to you know the Roger Lewises and, and, and their – and the, and the other guys. So he's really the only option you have out there, and they're not covering him. I don't. I don't know what that. They just have zero respect for any sort of passing game at all, or not. But we'll take what we can get, and he's making the most of the opportunity. Yeah, and and you could make the point that like there's a blowout, but this game was not a blowout right away. Like I said, this the Giants was, had a lead for the first half. <laughs> This is one of those games where when you see the stats and there's a domination, but you're one play away from losing. You know, I mean, there was everything there was no is possible. Reason, there was yeah. no reason for Seattle to not be covering him into the third quarter. I mean, this no, this wasn't ten seven until the third quarter. There was a, Seahawks fans around us were not happy with what they were watching on the field. You know what I mean? And oh I, my you can't gosh. blame them. 
I wish I had our penalty flag to stick a sock in their mouth for these annoying Seahawks fans behind us, but that's yeah, all right. Yeah. You know, it's, it's up to us not sell our tickets to opposing fans. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, I mean, this this kid, this is a good year for him to get some stuff under his belt, really get a handle on the offense. And it's, it's really shitty to have to talk like this, but it, you know, it is what it is, and you got to look on the bright side here. Uh, there's nothing you can do about devastating injuries to your to your starting lineup. So you just kind of hope that the guys come back at full strength, and now you see what these complementary pieces like Evan Ingram are going to be able to do for you. And right now, he's he's not the complementary piece; he's the primary piece, and he's still dominating. So that's that's really yeah. good to see out there. This is extended training camp for these. And we're going to have an extended training camp really until January. Um, the one thing that was interesting, though, being in the stadium, the people around us, even on the train back, nobody was talking about firing Mac, and nobody was talking about firing Jerry Reese. I don't know if that's just people just resigned to the fact that it is what it is, or but there was definitely a different mood than we've been used to hearing. You know, you see it on Twitter all the time, and you know the the pissed off caller to Mike Francesa on Mondays, but I didn't get the sense of anybody was like, well, this is on the coaching staff and maybe that's kind of what this coaching staff needs a little, you know, less heat because it's not all their fault. I don't think it has anything to do with people just accepting it is what it is. Uh, I think a lot of them have reservations about what Jerry Reese has done. And I think a lot of them have reservations about what McAdoo can do, but I think a lot of it comes down to, the fact that McAdoo was able to get a win on the road in Denver, prime time, with horseshit for a roster. And it goes to show that, you know, maybe he – and I think they also understand that he's he's done things. He's looked at himself and changed the way he coaches. He's given away his play calling duties. You know, I I don't think that that shows that it's not his fault, but just the fact that he's willing to change who he is to make – He's figuring it out, and he's not being overly stubborn about anything. Um, yeah, he's going to have to. Or he's going to be gone. I mean, it's clear and simple. Sure. Whether you know the, whether the mayor has told him that, or Reese told him that, or whoever, but you can definitely see there's been some very subtle changes being made. And, and they claim that they haven't had any conversation with him. I'm not. I don't know if I believe it. I don't know. That's yeah. They're not saying that in public. Yeah, they, they would never ever say that. But no. I mean, ultimately, I think fans understand that. What who what coach would win with this team? You know what I mean. It's well, I think people were pissed off that this team was zero and three more than anything. Yeah, of course. So the last two weeks, you know, even the even the win in Denver is just the randomness the NFL has become. But a game like yesterday, that's not why this fan base was so pissed off and wanted to scorch the earth and fire everybody. Yeah. You know, it, it's you know, looking terrible against Dallas. Um, losing that Detroit game, bad. You know that's what the you know kind of the you know and seeing the offensive line continuing to struggle and saying why wasn't it addressed, you know and seeing the McAdoo you know why is he playing call still doing play calling and this that and the other thing, so that's what the the fan base was so super pissed off about. Yeah. Now you're getting into the kind of it's it's it shows a little smartness in this fan base that okay now we're down to practice squad guys and guys coming off the street to be wide receivers. You know, uh, a below average offensive line, you're having to shuffle every time somebody gets hurt. And we've had three guys already, four guys in the offensive line have been hurt already this year. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it finally dawned on some of the fans. Uh, you know, I think given the option, they would like to switch out the GM or the coach. But I think they know that the real problem here is, you know, your best player's got a broken leg. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. The, the well, offense, I, I, the I, offense I get, is gonna... built a certain way. I mean, you can really – you can either balance yourself. You can go with heavy offensive line or you can go heavy skill position. This team went heavy skill position, and they're all hurt. And there's nothing you could do if they, if they right. went all offensive line and all the offensive line got hurt. That team would suck too. If you went, we've, balanced- we've thrown, yeah, we've thrown to five wide receivers in the last two games. That's not because of Odell Beckham. That's because it, Shepard's out and and uh, Brandon Marshall's out and, and all these other guys. So again, the we're not one in five because of no Odell Beckham. There's a lot more things to it. Of course. So there's a couple other things I want to I want to just mention real quick. Uh, this one's yeah. going to be a real quick one. <clears throat> Alger Gross has missed another kick. Uh, do you have any thoughts? Well, they uh, they made the investment. and They made the uh, thing on him again. It's nothing. I don't think anything. It was an egregious miss. What was it? Thirty eight yards. Kind of like you should be making those. It's when you start missing extra points and you start missing chippies. That's where you start getting, you know into the uh, Nick Fultz zone, uh, the guy from uh, the, the Bucks. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's something, you know, still a rookie, still trying to get it figured out, not overly concerned as of yet. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. I was I was a little hesitant to the fact that they brought in no competition for him until late in the preseason, or late in the off offseason. Uh, but then once preseason came, I was impressed. He didn't do anything He that looked bad, but – you know, now that's two games in a row where he's missed field goals. He's four of his last seven. You know, that's not great stats, but yeah. he's got the whole year. This this season is sunk cost anyway, so any game that he loses because he missed a field goal will mean nothing. Worth keeping an eye on, I'd say. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the bigger thing I want to talk about is Justin Pugh is a free agent at the end of this year. Um, obviously, I think he's probably the highest priority free agent this year. But he has now played pretty well at left guard, and he's been our best right tackle by far. Where do you see his future, if you had to guess? I mean, obviously, we need to figure out whether or not we're adding a guard piece or a tackle piece, and it's going to depend on where you're putting Justin Pugh. So what are your thoughts on that? My first thing would be I'd ask him where he wants to play, you know, we're going to invest a lot of money, and he wants to be a a left guard. We're sticking him at right tackle. He's not going to be happy, and he may go somewhere else where they're like you will be a you will be a left guard with us. So I think a lot of that predicates on where he wants to play, where he feels most comfortable with. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I mean, I guess it all comes down to what our draft pick is. If we're going to you know if we're going to build offensive line, or we have the opportunity to draft a quarterback, uh, you know, what our free agent options are going to be. Um, I don't know. You know, a do we do we actually get to resign him too? You know, he may just want to not be in New York anymore. We 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 don't know. It's an interesting thought. Yeah, I to me, it's hard to tell because I mean, it's pretty clear that the weakest spot on this line was the right side, and you know, our starters at the beginning of the year were John Jerry, Bobby Hart. Now it's looking like DJ Fluker. And Justin Pugh have been playing out there, and it's it's been like night and day. I mean, I don't think it's a perfect direct correlation. I think there's other factors involved. But, I mean, in terms of just watching the pressures only, 
it, it's there's not a whole lot else that you can attribute to the the stark change in the amount of time that Eli's been pressured. It obviously hasn't been perfect, but you know I, I think Justin Pugh's ability to play in the right tackle spot shows that that is a position of priority in the offseason, whether it's free agency or the draft. Um, yeah, and I agree with you. I hadn't thought of it that way until you said it um, yesterday, but you know, what does he want to do? Where does he want to be? And if you remember, Justin Pugh played left tackle at Syracuse. He knew he was coming here to play right tackle, and it wasn't talked about much, but when there was a lot of talk about him moving to guard the offseason that he did move to guard and he was asked and he he said pretty vehemently that he played tackle for the Giants that following spring he was playing guard it just kind of told me that he liked playing tackle that that's what he was drafted out of college doing that's what he was drafted to do on the Giants you know in in free agency tackles make more money that's something to consider um but again and also, being a free agent means you're free. You can go wherever you want to go. So, you know, in this league, money says a lot, but you can't blow anybody out of the water with an, an offer because of the salary cap and all the issues with it. So, I think, it'd be, like I said, I think it's very important to get his take on where he wants to play and go from there. Sure. If you want to keep him, yeah, I think so, because a versatile guy like that is going to be a hot commodity on the market. I mean, he's, it's not a sexy name, but he might be one of the best all-around offensive linemen that's going to hit the off, the uh, free agency market. So if yeah. they want to keep him, and he is by far the best lineman on this line, that sucks. Uh, you know, right. they, they, they should be asking him what he wants to do. I, I think that's want, actually a really good approach. If you want to build this offensive line, you better keep the guys that are worth it as a starting base. If you lose a few, you're about to, you have to build one more spot from there, so... That's definitely something I'm going to be watching on Saturdays. Um, the only other thing I was going to bring up is that on the conference call today, Ben McAdoo was asked repeatedly whether or not Davis Webb was going to play this year until he finally said very, very clearly he doesn't see a situation in which Davis Webb is going to play this year. Um, do you have any thoughts on that? Do you think that's right, wrong? What do you think? If he's being groomed to be your franchise quarterback, quarterback of the future, you do not play him unless he's 100% ready. You don't play him if you have a, you have a patchwork offensive line. You don't play him when you have zero wide receivers and, you know, no running everybody's game. keying on the run and, and no running game. So to me, I would rather sit him and just wait. There's no <laughs> bad experience is not better than sitting on the bench. And that's what he'll get. Yeah, and bad experience no, but- is actually detrimental. It's not not like less experience. It's it's the reverse. It, it answers your brain. David Carr suffered a lot, and he was a great quarterback in college that just did not develop in the NFL because he was constantly running for his life until he was hearing footsteps in his sleep. Well, we also think that might be part of the problem with Eli Manning right now is that the last couple of years he's been running for his life so much has it. Ch- Messed up his internal clock a little bit. Yeah, we, we thought that. I think it got a little bit corrected. I think the last couple of weeks of having a little bit more time to himself, he hasn't looked as rushed, in my opinion. Right. He's, he's not a rookie where it becomes a habit and part of your game. You know, it's something that later on in his career was a problem, so he can, you know, go back to natural, you know, reactions and things. Yeah. But I do think it, it raises one ex- an interesting question, though, about, you know, if Webb is not going to play this year because he doesn't think he's 100% ready, 
and we discussed this on the train ride home last night, you have that number two pick in the draft. You have the opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback. Does Davis Webb have any impact in that that decision-making if you have the opportunity to get a franchise quarterback to get him or not? Well, this is going to be a heated debate between you and me until until draft time and probably after that, depending on what direction the team goes. Um, but in my opinion, you're drafting guys and not not positions. So I, I understand the idea that you are in the position to get a franchise guy. But if there's no franchise guy there, then forget it. It's it's a waste. Um, you know, I, I know you feel differently because you don't want to enter the wasteland of, of never being able to get that guy and just being, you know, the Jets and Cleveland Brown and Cleveland Browns and trying to just make do with your, you know, 12th overall pick and try and get a guy. But to me, when I'm, and so far it's early in the college season that, you know, there's a lot of factors in here. So this, this discussion is somewhat inappropriate, but um, to me, the situation doesn't have anything to do with Davis Webb. I think Eli is playing next year. Therefore we have another year to figure this out. Um, And Sam Darno from USC actually has been playing so badly that he is it's being reported that he's not entering the draft. And this was supposed to be the top guy going into it. It's very clear to me that there's no guy running away with this. But now again, it's very early. A guy can make some crazy run into the playoffs, win the national championship and really put on a show and become Deshaun Watson who didn't look very impressive to me at the beginning of last year, but you know, he's shown that his ability to play in the big stage being the moment and command a team has translated to the NFL is Houston is playing really well. And I, I lambasted Houston for that pick. So there's a lot yeah. of time left, but to me, the Davis Webb thing has nothing to do with your decision there. That's good. I agree. I agree with that completely. My thing, and we're going to debate this from now until April is that if you have the, <laughs> the opportunity to get one of the two best quarterbacks in the draft, I think you have to jump on it and take your chances because it's so hard to get a franchise quarterback in this league. They're never traded. If they are, it's past their prime. You're very rarely in a position where you can draft one of them because <coughs> the good quarterbacks don't fall down to, like we said, 8 to 12 or 13. I mean, It's looking like it's going to be some combination of us, Cleveland, the 49ers, is being you know in a position to draft, you know the, the the best or the second best quarterback overall coming out, and I think you can always get, you know, a dominant left tackle, maybe not number one, but you can get him somewhere very high in the draft. I just think quarterbacks are so hard to come by that if you have the opportunity, you jump on it. Yeah, and it's it's going to be really interesting because you know when you look at this team at full health, this is a good team. So if you're in the if you are in the spot to trade away that spot, go down a couple picks and then you know pick up another second round pick or something like that, you can really improve this roster. You know it's they're different strategies, and um, I think they're both pretty equally valid depending on the state of your team. But and to to your point, you know for the last couple of years, it, it, I would say in the last ten years. Washington and Philly, and in the last couple of years with Tony Romo's declining health, Dallas, Washington, and Philadelphia had nothing at quarterback, and it was the difference. I mean, it's what 
held a bad Giants team competitive in a, in the division. You know, Philadelphia hadn't really had anybody before Carson Wentz since Donovan McNabb, and for that one brief year, Michael Vick looked okay. Um, Washington should be so happy they have Kirk Cousins. They should pay that guy whatever because he's the the complete difference. And it's a shame what happened to Robert Griffin, but you know. I can't remember the last Washington quarterback that was worth a shit. Rex Grossman? I mean, is that is that how far back we have to go? Oof. And and for Dallas, I mean, they pretty much just basically hit the jackpot with Dak Prescott and getting a guy who was smart enough and enough of a leader to make up for his deficiencies and complement a really good offensive line and running back core. But, you know, there were those couple of years where Tony Romo was getting hurt and, you know, all sorts of dummies were playing down there. At one point, I think Mark Sanchez was down there. Brock Osweiler, I think, was down there too, right? Quincy Carter, guys like that. Just Brandon like Whedon, I think, played mm-hmm. for like a minute there. It, it, you know, the, I'm sure McGowan played there at some point. <laughs> yeah. To, to your credit, having a franchise quarterback is a – it's not a luxury. It's winning the lottery. Um, it's a lot of – it's a lot like being, you know, just, just lucky. So – I can see that side of it too, and this is going to be a hotly debated thing between you and I. Yeah. Um, the Giants have an off week next week, um, which is good because Cranky Fan is coughing up all sorts of lung butter. So I have hit the mute button really about four thousand times while taping this. I am, I'm quite the, <laughs> quite the trooper getting through this. So yeah, all praise and you know respect actually go my way. Yeah, all prayers to Cranky Fan to get better. Save Ferris. Uh, there will be no pregame show at the end of the week this week. We'll take the weekend off so Cranky Fan can get better. Um, there will be a recap after the bye uh, next Tuesday. And there will be a week nine pre-show next Friday. But over this weekend, you can follow me and all of my college football watchings on Twitter. Again, at football underscore grump. You can find this episode and all the other episodes upcoming at uh, at just giants pod and again those are i mean really that that twitter account is just posting our itunes account and soundcloud so that's that's where all the episodes are hosted and uh you can follow mike and his gator nonsense at uh at the cranky fan on twitter right yes i will be attending the world's largest outdoor cocktail party this weekend in jacksonville florida georgia as another dumpster fire offense uh you know, ruins my life on Saturdays. So I will be <laughs> tweeting all the uh, excitement around the, the game in Jacksonville and, and my thoughts and taking a well-needed rest from the Giants this weekend. Yeah, well-needed rest in general. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to go take a nap, I think. I think my neck will start to kick in. So All right. With that depressing go- ending to this show, <laughs> <laughs> let's go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants.